Good morning, and I guess one thing is that if we could have everybody would pass their connection cards, and we'll have them collected. And uh, are the uh, kids being dismissed for uh, various classes? Uh, yeah, yes. What you heard the last 15 seconds prior to that, just ignore that. Um. So if you uh, have your uh, Bible with you, would you please turn to Ephesians 1? I'm going to read verses 15 to 20 of Ephesians 1. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. It is in comparably great power for us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Let's begin our message this morning with prayer. Father, we thank you now for this time that we have to look at your word. Father, I ask that you may guide me in all that I say now, that it be honorable and pleasing to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I was recently talking with someone about roller coasters, and we were sharing about some of our very favorite roller coasters. And one of mine was the American Eagle. At the time of its construction, it was the fastest roller coaster in the world. But it also could have some very long lines. Sometimes you might have to wait over two hours to be able to ride on the American Eagle. Well, there was one time that we uh, lived near where the park was, and so my, my family and I, we, um, we were in line for the Eagle, and we noticed that really, really dark clouds started moving in, and it looked like it was going to pour any moment. But we had spent all that time waiting in line. We, would just, you know, we were going to take the chance that, that you know, we might be able to make it on the ride. Well, we got through the ride, no rain, and as we were um, you know, walking away, we noticed there was nobody at all in line. And so we, we ran through the, the various you know, the, the, the gates that you had to go to to get on the line again. Well, this time after the ride finished, we, just, we jumped out of the car and we ran back in to get in that line again. Well, after about the fifth or sixth time of doing this, I noticed something kind of strange had occurred that when we you know, got to the very top of the hill and ready to go down, it still it was fun, but there wasn't quite that same thrill. And after about the seventh or eighth time that we had, we had done this, we figured, all right, you know, we're ready to leave. I mean, here it was, this incredible ride, and yet it just it didn't have that, that same impact. 
Well, and by the way, uh, we did get drenched on the way uh, you know, to the car, but it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned my surprise at how the excitement for this incredible ride had, had lessened, but I'd like to turn our attention to a situation where diminished excitement, it, it's even more surprising, and yet it's a state of affairs that is common to most of us. And that being those times where it seems like there's a little passion or zeal in regards to our, our walk with God. There are those times where sometimes it seems like we're just simply going through the motions spiritually. Now, as I've talked with others, I know that uh, most of us seem to go through the situation which I've termed the spiritual doldrums. Those various times in our lives where our, our faith seems to have little vitality. And though it's an occurrence that, that we, we wish to avoid, you know, periodically we, we find ourselves experiencing, you might say, those spiritual barren times. And I think part of what's frustrating about this, this process is we're so often we're not even aware that it's occurring. And yet there, there, there comes that point where we, we suddenly we, we recognize we are in a spiritual rut, that our, our faith seems to maybe be having a, a diminished impact in our lives. And as we know that uh, so often the problems and difficulties you know, seem to, to come along with this. And, and what I w- I'd like to do this morning is to address some of the common ways that the, this pattern gradually develops in our lives. And I'd also like to focus on Paul's letter to Ephesians because I think that he offers some helpful ways either that we can avoid the spiritual doldrums or to restore some of the vitality in our relationship with God when we are going through the down times. Now, in verse 15, Paul shares about you know, his deep concern for the church in Ephesus. He mentions that he's constantly praying on their behalf. You know, and as we look at the content of his prayer, I, I think it, it provides us some, some helpful guidance for this. For instance, verse 17, he says, you know, I keep asking the God of our, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You know, Paul's desire is that we know God better. And yet one of the things that causes us to go through the spiritually down times is because we're not growing in our knowledge of God. And one of the primary reasons that this occurs is because of our quality time with God. Or maybe it might be more appropriately phrased, Lack of quality time with God. You know, and there, there are going to be a variety of reasons why this might occur. I mean, sometimes it's because we feel that we're so busy that we've got no time. Or when we experience maybe what's identified as the tyranny of the urgent, our schedule starts to squeeze out our time with God. Or it starts to become very rushed. You know, we oftentimes, we, we see this with the Bible. Sometimes we're spending time in God's Word out of guilt because it's what we know we should be doing. And what's oftentimes the case is you know, we rush through our reading with very little focus or consideration. We know the stories, we know the events, so we skim through the Bible. But in reality, we're giving it very little reflection. You know, sometimes I see some of my students when I've assigned a reading, that they'll say that they've completed the reading... And yet, when I ask them about that, they have absolutely 
no recall at all of what it is that they, um, what they've looked at. And that it's not really reading. You know, there's a major difference between glancing at the Bible and reading it. And I know I'm glad that uh, you know, we don't get that pop quiz from God about our readings. My students aren't always that fortunate. The first sermon I ever heard Tim give, he dealt with the importance of feeding in God's Word. And he emphasized the, the problems that develop in our spiritual lives when we neglect regularly spending that time in God's Word. Now, last year, I was away for about five days, and I was on school-related matters, and I found that my diet pretty much consisted of eating those things that required absolutely no preparation or that I could pick up at a drive through window. And by the end of those five days, I started to feel very sluggish. You know, found myself craving something healthy to eat. And I think a similar process starts to occur for us instance, when we are regularly neglecting our time in the Bible. Our spiritual health is going to start to diminish. You know, Paul states that his desire is that our, our, the eyes of our heart be enlightened. And I think it's also helpful for us to reflect upon our attitude when we read the Bible. Because it can significantly influence the impact that it has in our lives. And to help us avoid the dry times. When we read Scripture, are we approaching it with a sense of expectancy? Have we prepared ourselves ahead of time? Do we hunger and thirst for these teachings? Are we seeking to bring God's Word into our hearts and minds? There's a famous incident, I think, that illustrates this attitude about the attitude that we hold towards the Bible. And it involved a, um, a while back, there was a young seminary student that basically, he memorized the Greek New Testament word for word. And this is, I think, you know, it seemed pretty impressive. You wonder about, you know, who was this person? And it was none other than Joseph Stalin, who many historians believe killed more people than any other person in history. And you see, for Stalin, it basically, it was little more than a mental exercise. Our goal is to know the Bible in both our hearts and minds and to apply those teachings in our daily lives. When we approach Scripture to remind ourselves, I mean, this is God's holy word. It's inspired by God. And it's given to teach us and guide us in our daily lives. It is given to us so that we may know God better. And that's one of the wonderful qualities about Scripture, that we may truly know God better as we spend that time in it. It has that unique quality, as it mentions, that it is living and active. Now, our prayer life, can also be an area where we start to be subject to spiritual doldrums. You know, sometimes it seems that we, we approach prayer knowing something we should do. After all, we're Christians, so we pray. But sometimes our prayer can be a little more than, than rote recitations. It requires very little thought. It's something that we maybe do so we don't feel guilty, but there's little feeling in the prayer. I think one of the problems is caused when we have that one-way conversation is we speak to God, but we don't give God that opportunity to speak to us. 
And it is hard to have that growing relationship when it's a one-way conversation. My wife, Karen, has learned over the years that probably, you know, it, it's not the best time trying to talk to me during the last minute, uh, for instance, of a football game, or once the NCAA tournament comes, just, you know, forget about it. I must confess, I am probably not going to be involved in the most lively conversation during those occasions. We sometimes said, we, um, you know, we get in those situations where there, there's not a chance for the conversations. It's just a, it can be a one-way thing. See, we can also make prayer something akin to a wish list. You know, our prayer life can be like that. We just, we, we, we come before God, we go through our list, and then we just go back to our normal activities. Or we can uh, make prayer, such as I mentioned, for instance, with, with Scripture. Maybe we're feeling a bit pressed in times, and so we rush through our prayers, but we're not taking the time to communicate to God. You know, I, I know there are, we all experience those periods where we're particularly busy in our schedules. See, but I think the concern arises is when this becomes a pattern in our lives, and as a result, over time, we begin to lose the sense of that closeness with God. You know, Paul states our goal is to make our devotional time with God an integral part of our lives. It's to enhance our relationship to God. To approach that time as we're spending with someone we love and who loves us. Our prayer time with God is very precious to him. I think it's important that we treat it in that same kind of manner. Not that we come out of guilt, but that we desire and seek to be with him the desire to know him better, that our relationship is going to deepen. And one of the ways that this is going to occur is when we're willing to be still. To set time that's not going to be rushed. And and the times, it may vary according to our our, our schedules, or maybe in in terms of even that when is the, the, the best time for us, and yet that our goal is to make a special time. I remember one Christian writer writing said it seemed that the more time he spent prayer, the greater of the amount he spent listening. You know, Paul reminds us, and it's important to remember, this is the Almighty God, the Creator of the universe that we are approaching. We are we should not lose sight of God's majesty. You you think about those examples in Scripture of those who encountered just a, a partial manifestation of God, and yet they were totally overwhelmed. We run into problems, I think, sometimes when we focus so much on God as a friend that we lose sight that we're coming before the sovereign of the universe as well. And I think it's important and helpful that we maintain a sense of awe when we come before God. Now, even our worship at times is going to be affected by the spiritual doldrums. I think, but there are various ways that we can avoid this problem, though. And one of the ways, for instance, you know, if we come to church prepared to worship. You know, the Jewish Sabbath began at sundown. And I think one of the advantages is that, that people would begin to prepare themselves the night before. They began to engage their heart and mind for the following day. And I think it can be helpful for us you know, if we also, we prepare the night before where we can. And I know, for instance, your parents with small children, you know, that's not always possible. But I think this also means about being wise, about staying up you know, late Saturday night before church. 
Because quite honestly, if we come exhausted, you know, it's going to be hard for our worship leaders to really be able to engage us. And while Tim may offer a really powerful message, but we're not going to get much out of it you know, if we're exhausted and have difficulty concentrating. Now, I think we, we can give special dispensation if maybe someone you know, has traveled from Israel and come back here. So you know, we'll, for today, we'll, we'll certainly grant that. I heard a, about an incident where they were filming a uh, movie in a small town. And one day the, this woman had gone to an ice cream parlor and who should come in shortly after her but Paul Newman. She got so excited about this that she was, when she left, she forgot her ice cream cone. And so she goes back in to you get it and Paul Newman comes up to her and says, well, excuse me, I think you'll... Uh, if you look inside your purse, you'll find your ice cream cone. <laughs> she got so excited that she put the ice cream cone in her purse. You know, I think it would be great, though, if we had that type of excitement when we come before God in worship. You know, I think we're encouraged to come with an attitude prepared to worship, that we come ready to express our devotion to God, that we, we, we come with a sense of expectancy that the Spirit's presence is going to be felt. You know, we get to be here, worship with you know, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's a wonderful thing. You know, I encourage for each of us, pray for Tim throughout the week. You know, as he's preparing the message, you know, pray for Debbie and for the worship team as they, they minister to us and as they help lead the worship to God. You know, I think if we approach our worship with this heartfelt attitude, I think it's more likely we're also, in terms of just you know, the sense of the, the Spirit's presence in our worship. Now, one of the, the ironies I find in parenting is that when our, our children are very young, they, just, they have such a desire to be with us, they, they even cry when we have to leave. And just, you know, for instance, leave them at a sitter or nursery and things. And for those of you that are parents of small children, I, I, I hate to break this news to you, but you may find around the time they turn 12, they may not have quite that same reaction. <laughs> and hard to believe, but when they see a cute guy or girl their own age, they may not even want you around. But we kind of see something a little bit like this in our relationship with God. When we first become Christians, we're so eager to spend time with God, and over time, the excitement can start to fade, and yet it does not have to be that way. You know, I remember on occasion where I was uh, involved in some premarital counseling with a couple, and they asked, you know, does, does marriage get boring after a while? And I responded, you know, no. I actually said the marriage can get even better as it matures and deepens, as you get to know that other person better. In fact, it's been found that generally marriages get stronger when couples enter the empty nest phase. And one reason is because they can start to devote more time and attention to their spouse. You know, I think, you know, as we look at the theme here, as Paul's talking about, the same can be true in our spiritual lives, though. Our relationship with God can grow and deepen in time, but a crucial part of it, of that deepening relationship, comes as we spend time with God as we continue to devote ourselves to that relationship and to seek its growth. 
You know, I, I like the analogy Paul uses of describing Christianity as a long-distance race. You know, one of the things that is unique about marathons or triathlons is you're not so much competing against others as is you're seeking to reach your objective. You know, and I, I imagine if I was to ask you know, somebody like John that uh, his goal for the coming year, for instance, in terms of cycling or running, it probably would be something like, well, I'm hoping to go 30 seconds you know, slower than this uh, past year. You know, rather, you know, it's the goal with runners is always seeking to do a little bit better. Seeking ways to improve. And I think it would be beneficial if we take that same type of attitude in seeking to develop our relationship with God. But there's also a, um, another reason, I think, where we can sometimes find ourselves in the, the spiritual doldrums or downtime. And that occurs, for instance, when we're involved in, in things such as faith-related tasks, yet we're not being spiritually revitalized. And, and let me explain what I, I mean that uh, had something occurred in a, a class recently where I gave the students a personality test. And some of the uh, more gregarious students that were surprised that they did not sc- score higher on the extrovert scale. And in our discussion that followed, we, we, we talked about that there's a common misunderstanding people have in regards to the meaning of extrovert and introvert. People oftentimes associate, for instance, that they, they, they link up that gregarious and extrovert as being the same, and introverted and being shy is the same, but it, it's more appropriately understood the extrovert and introvert is what it is that energizes us, that the extrovert is energized in their, their time with people, the introvert more in some, the time alone, and that we'll find, for instance, with Christians, that oftentimes one of the things that is going to energize them is that time with God. And yet we're also going to find that we may be extroverted or introverted Christians in that sense. And as we recognize what are the things, though, that energize us as Christians, because we need to be energized. What can oftentimes occur, that, for instance, that, that we are involved in, the, say, various... You know, Christian activities, that if we're not being refreshed, our, our task, our ministries can start to seem as if we're performing for a boss rather than labors of love for the Lord or actions for others. You know, there may be you know, various ways, for instance, that you are energized. Uh, you know, one of the things that, for instance, while I, I score fairly high on the gregarious scale, yet I don't know if there's any activity where I feel quite so spiritually invigorated as, for instance, when I'm walking through the woods alone and just praying to God. Scott, I I share your excitement about it. It looks like spring is coming along. But that's it. Just at that time with God, there there is nothing like that that for me. And yet maybe for for you, it's something different. You know, I know, for instance, some said just that they love looking at the sky at night and they see the, you know, the beauty of God's creation. Maybe it's, for instance, that as you're having a chance to be singing songs of praise with brothers and sisters in Christ. But the thing I, just, I want to encourage is that, that we find those things that, that energize us, that, that we become revitalized with that, the ways that just you know, help to strengthen our faith. Now, there, there's another situation that I also want to mention, though, that where we might find that there are... Um, the vibrancy 
of our spiritual life can start to dim. And that, that is when we are dealing with adversity or significant hardships in life. Maybe you're going through very difficult circumstances that may be feeling disappointment with God. You know, I know of one friend who loved to sing and had just a, a beautiful voice. Oftentimes was, was invited to church to sing, and yet after a family member died suddenly in an accident, she mentions it was months before she could sing again. She said just, it, it's just the, the emotions, just, it made it too difficult. I know of others who have shared that, that, that you know, same type of feeling. Maybe your loved one has um, you know, received an unsettling, difficult diagnosis. And it found it very hard to pray because you find your mind going to places you do not want to go to. The Christian writer C.S. Lewis wrote a famous work about suffering called The Problem of Pain. A deep theological treatment regarding the issue of suffering. And he provided a very, very rational, insightful presentation on the subject. As many of you know, a few years later, Lewis wrote another work, this one called A Grief Observed, and it revolved around the death of his wife. And this was a much more personal account, and Lewis mentioned the spiritual struggles he faced during this time. And many have shared that they were greatly helped by Lewis's account about these struggles and dealing with this tremendous loss. I think sometimes we have a tendency when we're going through, through these things that we want, we want to keep these matters to ourselves. We don't want, we're not even going to bring it up before God. I think as we look at the examples of Scripture, we are encouraged to, to, to be open with God in regard to these struggles, to speak to God about the, the hurt or the confusion we're feeling. Maybe it involves, you know, the use of journal to deal with your thoughts or feelings. Or find a brother or sister in Christ that we can share in what's in our heart. But I think it's also, it is helpful to recall what God has done. You know, think about what we just celebrated. How he gave his son for us and how we are forgiven and saved. To recall the ways that God has been faithful in the past. You know, there are also ways that we can help those who are going through the downtimes as well when they're going through the, the, these difficulties. You know, I, I remember one person sharing with me the way that they were helped. They said, you know, it, it wasn't so much when, when people were quoting verses to me. They said that they, they meant well. But they said, you know, that they, they, they already knew the, these verses. They said, it said what was most helpful is that when they can open up with another person was willing to listen to their spiritual struggles and they didn't make them feel self-conscious for doing so. You know, I think we, we sometimes forget Job's friends initially brought him some comfort just later on that you had some of the problems occur. Sometimes it is comforting just having someone there with you when you're navigating through the hard times, through those dark times. As we conclude our message for today, we realize, as Paul has mentioned, he wants the church to be characterized by spiritual vitality, and yet we know there are those times when our, our faith seems anything but this. And yet, as we focus on this morning, Paul's highlighted, I think, some of the ways we can avoid these pitfalls that can bring on the spiritual doldrums, those things that seem to inadvertently come into our life and we're not even aware it's occurring, 
But once they're there, you know, we wish to get rid of it. One of the ways is when we treat our, our time with God with care. When we're involved in the, these activities I mentioned, we not just let them happen in a, a haphazard manner or when the schedule allows. Make it an integral part of your day. And when we come before God, give it our full attention because God wants and deserves all of this. When we spend time in Scripture or prayer, not to rush through it, you know, to avoid the distractions, you know, take care of matters if possible. And for instance, if you're in an area where you're, you're going to be distracted, maybe, let's say uh, you're by a desk where you've got lots of other things on your mind or, or, or you know, noises, other things going on, go to a different location. Also, we're reminded about the importance that we need to seek to be enhancing our relationship with God. You know, spending the time with God as we, we, we grow closer to God, as we grow strong in wisdom as well. Also, that we seek to be energized by God. None of us want to be stuck in the spiritual doldrums. And yet sometimes we develop these habits or our behaviors that cause us to go through the times of spiritual lethargy. Other times that the circumstances may cause it to develop. You think Paul provides guidance to help us maintain the spiritual vitality and how to be growing closer to God. I think the question challenge for us is, are we going to be applying Paul's prescription in our daily lives? But it is worth it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for this time that we have had to look at your word. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and your love. Lord, help us to be able to follow you more closely. Lord, that we, we give you the time and the, the focus of the heart and mind as you so deserve. Lord, that we may be discerning in the ways that, that, that we use our time, but also that, that we may seek after you that, that heartfelt desire. Lord, that we... Thank you that you are, you are always there, even sometimes when we, we do not you know, sense the closeness. You are faithful. And Lord, we pray also that, that we may be an encouragement to others as maybe they are facing the challenges or maybe that the, they're going through the um, you know, spiritual dry times. But we thank you for knowing you are faithful. And we do pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Have a wonderful rest of the day.